Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Dale Falwell is back with us. He is the North Carolina State Treasurer. As a matter of fact, the 28th Treasurer of the state of North Carolina. He was the, went in office in 2016. And uh, so the first thing I always ask when Dale is here is, is, is there still some money in the bank account? Uh, there's still some money in the bank account. Uh, the fourth quarter was not kind to the state pension plan. We uh, had a billions of dollars of drawdown uh, because of uh, what happened in the stock market. It's still one of the five best funded pension plans in the United States, but last year we paid out over $6 billion in benefits to state and local retirees, and our earnings were negative. So um, when you pay out $6 billion in gross benefits and you have – no earnings, uh, and it, it. Now we're able to say that we're in our twenty-first year of the state health pension plan has not earned its assumed rate of return in twenty-one years on average. So uh, what you're saying is that when they set up the pension, they were counting on this amount of income, <coughs> right. and we haven't earned that. So, uh, but it hadn't been adjusted. Right. Well, when Harlan Bowles was the uh, treasurer in North Carolina, the assumed rate of return was four percent. Yeah. And as you remember, as I do, uh, you know, government bonds were yielding seven, eight, and nine percent. Yeah. So you had a margin. Yeah. <clears throat> so it doesn't matter uh, how um, unathletic you are when you can put money in, in bonds and earn seven, and you only have to jump over a hurdle of four. That's easy as the treasurer. Uh, but as the years went on and these interest rates stayed up, they raised the assumed rate of return. And now we have not achieved that assumed rate of return on average uh, for over 21 years. And, of course, uh, pension plans all across the country are doing the same, kind of the same thing. And, yeah. and we're, we're in relatively good shape to compared to most. We are. Uh, unfortunately, uh, your listeners who are on the uh, retirement system, and, and let's be clear, we're talking about uh, one out of ten adult North Carolinians that gets a check from this pension plan every 30 days. Uh, we're paying out over... $520 million every 30 days. Um, and But when they go to Harris Teeter or pay their due power bill, they can't they can't do that based on relativity. They Those folks want real cash. And so uh, as the keeper of the public purse, uh, even though it's one of the five best funds in the United States, we're, we've got some serious headwinds coming our way. How long uh, do – what sort of a window do you have to get this corrected before it becomes a really serious mess? Well, uh, there's one part of it you cannot correct, and that's the blessed event of increased life expectancies. Yeah. <clears throat> this plan, as you can see from this chart, was never anticipated. People worked till they were 65, and actually, not to depress you, uh, you know, the average age of a man who retired after they retired was probably a couple years, you know, back when this thing was started. But now we have a situation, there's no minimum retirement age. So somebody can come to work for the state at 20 years of age, get their 30 years in, they're 50. And for that individual, especially a female, they're going to be retired for longer than they worked. <laughs> and this plan was never designed for that. So, uh, and of course, a, a lot of company pensions are in the same kind of situation because sure. they also, uh, that's in the private world, but they were also based on the fact that uh, – that people would not live as long as they're living now. And so some of these uh, uh, private pensions are in serious trouble. Yes, and, and public pensions. The uh, the Kentucky retirement system is 30% funded, 330. 
uh, the South Carolina uh, teachers pension system is a little over 50% funded. Uh, these are serious issues and it's a, it's a hard sentence to say, but I'm going to attempt to do so this morning. Uh, uh, if you finish out what I'm getting ready to say, which is uh, over the next 20 years, people are going to be asking themselves, what ate ATE, what ate my, what ate my cost of living adjustment? What ate the funding for public schools? What ate the pay raise for teachers? Why is it that we can't do more of those things over the next 20 years? And it's directly, all the fingers point back to the treasurer's office, and it has to do with the, the rising cost of this pension plan and the health plan. Well, it's it's uh, it's an interesting situation, and of course, uh, uh, you know the labor unions have recognized this, and they have actually uh, worked with uh, private companies to solve that problem because they I think they realized they were overzealous in getting the benefits, and then they said, well, you know, we we put these companies in a position where they can't pay them. We uh, we we tried to take some small steps last year to close some of the loopholes of this pension plan. For example, people from other states being able to buy into our pension plan at less than what it should be priced at. And um, uh, the legislation passed overwhelmingly in the House and the Senate, but the, the governor chose to veto that. And just one of the provisions, one of the provisions of that bill is costing this plan between 10 and $20 million every year. There's 86 provisions of that legislation. And if we can't do the simple things, then people aren't really serious about sustaining this plan for the next generation of public service workers. Well, uh, you know, you make a promise to somebody, and uh, we ought to, of course, I've, I've got the same problem with so the wording of the so-called highway trust fund. There was no trust in that mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it was rated for this and rated for that. Uh, I think the word trust is sort of a funny word when people sure. can rate it for other things. You know, there was no corruption. It was spent on other sure. legitimate needs, but it was set up for the highway. And hopefully sometime over the next few minutes, we can talk about uh, school construction bonds and talk about how uh, money was supposed to be set aside for the lottery for public school construction. And that hasn't happened as, as uh, prescribed uh, 15 years ago when the lottery was passed. Well, it's, uh, it is kind of an interesting situation because, uh, and, and, and Dale, a lot of this is set up because politicians have a, in office, have a sort of a short um uh, focus because they're actually focusing on getting reelected the next mm-hmm. time. And so they don't want to take the hard steps. And this happens to be in Congress. It happens with mm-hmm. all the legislators. They say, you know, uh, if I do this, I'm going to, I likely won't get reelected. Well, and, and I'll be a little more inelegant, which is unusual for me to play, uh, that, play, play, that, yeah, to play that role with you. But uh, it seems that a lot of public officials, what they're really, the, the, the number one thing that they're good at is not doing their job. And which is exactly what you just said, yeah. and and uh, we're not we're never going to be accused of that at the treasurer's office. We're we're not there to run the place or to eat the shrimp. We're there to find and fix because we don't want our the people who teach our kids and protect us from criminals and and pave our roads. We don't want them leaving the house every day thinking about the safety and the security of these plans and as keeper of the public purse uh, and state treasurer. I take that really seriously. Now the pension plan does that also cover? municipal workers mm-hmm. and so all government workers are in the pension plan whether you work for state yes uh, or local government there are about four isolated incidences um the uh winston-salem police uh has its own separate pension plan the charlotte firefighters have their own pension plan but we have 99.9 percent of it yeah so this is as you said nine hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. people are mm-hmm. 
receiving uh, pensions. And the way that works for your listeners, they hopefully maybe at this point, if they they're asking themselves, how does it get funded? We send a bill. The treasurer's office sends a bill to the Department of Transportation and says, this is your payroll at DOT or this is your payroll at the Wake County Schools. And this is the percentage of your payroll you need to send back to us for this pension uh, obligation. That percentage this year is nearly 13 percent of payroll. Not for classrooms, not for desk, not for light bulbs, not for playgrounds, just for the pension contribution. And that doesn't include the health care contribution bill we'll be sending them, which is even larger. So this if people don't wake up thinking about these issues, they wake up thinking about education and public safety and roads. These issues is what's going to take money away from those things they care about. Now, uh, again, uh, when the pension was set up, 30 years of government service and you could retire. Um, uh, that has not been changed in how many years? Ever. So consequently. Uh, well, actually, it's been changed for the worst, for the worst, excuse me. Uh, when it was per- first put in place, there was a minimum retirement age. So you could retire anytime you wanted to, but you couldn't start drawing until you were 65. Okay. And that was removed. Yeah. That is what's costing us. So now we've, we've done that, uh, and it would be uh, – We hadn't fixed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you can't go back and undo something that's been done, but you can fix the future. Sure. You can look ahead and say, okay, we can't keep doing this. Now, anybody that comes into the plan now, let me tell you the new rules, and that would – now that that's not going to solve anything immediate, but that would solve something down the road 35 or 40 years from now. Sure, uh, exactly would. And and solving these problems is not going to make a difference in, 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 in my life. It's not going to make a difference in my personal life or my spiritual life or my financial life. But there are hundreds of thousands of public service workers who depend on me as the state treasurer and our and the office of state treasury to to look out for these things. And it's not going to make any difference to me whether we're successful in solving these things, but it's going to make a huge difference to the public servants of North Carolina. Well, uh, we want to talk about bond ratings and all that kind of stuff, but I, I think for years the focus that at least I've seen as an average voter mm-hmm. has always been on our bond rep, uh, percentage and so mm-hmm. forth. And I've heard very little information through the years till you became treasurer about the uh, the pension plan and its problems. And so uh, maybe uh, this is uh, – uh, step one of getting the problem solved is bringing it to the light of the public and especially those uh, 950,000 people who at some point in time, not all of them will be affected because some of them will age out before uh, uh, before the pension runs out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, but new people coming into it need to be aware. It's like the Social Security system. I mean, you know, you need to be aware that you better put something aside beside mm-hmm. <laughs> uh you can't count on Social Security to bail you out either. Uh, well, we've got uh, other things to talk about. Dale Falwell is our guest. He's the uh, 28th elected treasurer of the state of North Carolina. And we will do that when we return with more here on Carolina Newsmakers. Are you looking for a way to give back to your community? If so, your local Guardian Ad Litem office needs your help. The North Carolina Guardian Ad Litem program is celebrating its 25th anniversary of being a voice for children who are victims of child abuse and neglect. Volunteer today to become a trained, independent advocate to represent the best interests of abused and neglected children in court proceedings. 
As a guardian ad litem volunteer, you will also help work toward ensuring that each child is placed in a safe, permanent home, what every child needs. The Guardian Ad Litem program needs volunteers. If you have just a few hours each month to make a difference, please don't wait. Call 1-800-982-4041 or visit ncgal.org. Volunteer for the Guardian Ad Litem program. Be the voice for a child. I'm not staying home tonight. I'm at school all day. If they want me to do the work, give it to me while I'm at school. This guy has me coming to work 10 hours a day. So what if I didn't finish school? That doesn't mean he can work me like a dog. Hey, man, I need a few bucks. My car's busted and I need some cash. Hello? Hello? Every decision you make has a benefit or a consequence. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the United States Air Force. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on uh, Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Dale Falwell, who's the treasurer of the state of North Carolina. And we were talking about uh, interest rates, and uh, interest rates have been sliding up a little bit. Uh, how does that affect our borrowing now? And uh, Because interest rates for the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years have been at sort of a historic low Um uh, and our bond rating is still very good. So mm-hmm. as we look at bond uh, situations, not only uh, individual county bonds and city bonds, but also maybe even a statewide bond, what are we looking at now? How does that look? Well, uh, we're still looking good. Uh, as, uh, for your listeners, uh, a bond rating uh, or, or issuing bonds is sort of like uh, you individually <clears throat> taking out a mortgage on your house. And just as you would think about what your interest rate is on the mortgage, uh, we have to think about that at the state level because the mortgage that we're taking out is to you know build roads and and improve school facilities and things of that nature. So uh, interest rates have gone up dramatically, and uh, as soon as I was sworn into office, uh, we made a big move to refinance all the state debt that we possibly could uh, 17 months ago at rates that were below two percent in many instances. So <clears throat> everything that we could flip and, and refinance like you just like you would your home, uh, we, we did so at the state level. Uh, but interest rates obviously have gone up dramatically since then. But this not only negatively impacts our borrowing cost, and just to remind your listeners, every dollar we spend on interest is a dollar that can never be spent on public education or public safety or roads, ever. And uh, so this debt situation is very serious, and uh, we still have the AAA bond rating. We're still living well within our, our means um, from a debt standpoint. But uh, these interest costs, the cost of the pension, the cost of the health plan, those are the three items that have to be paid before anything else is paid to the state. It also negatively impacts our pension plan <clears throat> because ultimately at being able to Invest in things at higher interest rates helps us, but in the short term, uh, when we have you know twenty five billion dollars sitting in treasury bonds and interest rates go up, the value of those bonds go down. That's the way those uh, instruments work. Eventually, it all washes out. But uh, so in the short term, interest rates going up negatively impacts the value of the valuation of the pension plan. Well, you know, you're in an interesting situation where where you're borrowing, you're hoping interest rates go down, and when you're investing, you're hoping they go up. So I guess there's a good news, bad news thing every day, and you say, well, I'm not sure 
net how I came out. You have to be amphibious. Well, that's true. Uh, that's it's an old story. We'll tell that one another time. <laughs> um, the state health plan, of course, is a. Uh, you mentioned the three things that you uh, are really worried about. One of them is the state health plan. Where where does that stand now? Uh, it's one of the most insolvent in the United States. Uh, we have now explain a, that. Well, what that means is that unlike the health, the pension plan, where money every month and. It's, it's always good to remind your listeners, uh, regardless of what may be said at a, at a coffee shop or a breakfast table, every public service worker in this state personally contributes to this pension plan every single month. It's not something that's just given to them. So that's why the pension plan is so well funded. The individuals put money into it. The employer they work for puts money into it. This is, I'm not talking about 401k, the pension plan. And then that money grows. You take that exact same circumstance with health care, but unlike the health, the pension plan, there's no money been set aside over the last 40 years, 40 years for the state health plan and the obligation for retiree health care. They are eligible for lifetime health care for the rest of their life in North Carolina. And I'm going to read from you. I know you were probably my age uh, when this was written 39 years ago. But these are the words of former treasurer Harlan Bowles. The growth in the amount of public service workers and retirees, runaway medical costs, and the absence of actuarially funding these medical expenses will soon result in debt that could easily equal, surpass, and then dwarf the amount of state debt in North Carolina. This is all associated with the unfunded health care liabilities. So as we sit here this morning, our insolvency of this health plan is right behind the state of Illinois, according to Standard Poor's and Pew Research. And secondly, when you add up the pension and the health care liabilities, it's not equal to the state debt. It's now, this morning, 10 times the amount of state debt, nearly $50 billion of unfunded health care and pension liabilities. And former treasurer Harlan Bowles, who was considered by most to be the best state treasurer in the United States in the 20th century, forecast this nearly 40 years ago. And that was before he had the benefit of computers. Right. And now you can really have an accurate picture of what it's going to look like. Exactly. Uh, And, of course, the other thing that has happened that I suspect he wasn't counting on is the growth of the state. Uh, The population has grown higher than they were counting on 40 years ago, too. Right. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a staggering thing, and it's one of these things where most people just sit back and say, I'd rather think about this later. Uh, I mean, that's, that's when you – and I do that in business all the time. When we have a problem that we can't solve, I just tend to – Jason knows this better than most people. I just tend to say, well, I'll think about that tomorrow. And, uh, of course, you go back to going with the wind, and Scarlett O'Hara says, tomorrow is another day. I'll think about that tomorrow. Well, sooner or later, tomorrow comes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we may be getting close there. Did you try out for that movie? No, I didn't try out for that okay, movie. I, I'm sure they wanted me to play Clark Gable's role, but uh, there were several problems that uh, kept them from considering. Well, number one, I wasn't born then. Uh, <laughs> that was the first one. And secondly, uh, you know, they, they wanted someone that wasn't quite as handsome. Okay. I can, they, so, so they chose Clark, Clark Gable. And you wouldn't trade places with him right now, would you? Uh, no, okay. no, I, 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 I like, I like my current role. Okay. I, have a, I have a good friend who says it's always better to be 
seen than to be viewed. Yeah. And uh, that, that's always a good uh, good story. Well, uh, so the interest rate situation, uh, the, the last meeting of the Federal Reserve, they did slow down the increase. Mm-hmm. And so what do you what do you think is going to happen on the interest rates? And this is, affects consumers as well as the mm-hmm. state of North Carolina. You think, I mean, they've been historically low for some time now. Are they going to keep, keep sliding back up? And where is the cap? Well, you know, you, you never know. I mean, the... the 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 main thing I'm way off my yoga mat here uh, talking about this, but your the, yoga mat, yes, okay, you know, you know, in yoga, all you're supposed to do is breathe and pay attention to your mat. That's okay. nothing else matters in yoga. You just breathe and pay attention to your mat. So, as I get off my mat and try to answer your question, uh, it I'm, I'm reminded that uh, the the Federal Reserve Chairman, the the biggest fear I know what my fears are is, as the State Treasurer. The biggest fear of the United States Treasurer or the Federal Reserve Chair is to get behind. Yeah. And you're probably seeing it in your business. We're seeing it in water and sewer rates. We're seeing it in at, at the grocery store. If they get behind inflation, which means they get try they try to catch up to kind of tamp it down. Uh, we all know what happened in the seventies and the eighties when that when that occurs and I can tell you that this economy, the way it's built right now, differently than it was when you and I were growing up, uh, uh, there's so many things that are pegged to lower interest rates uh, that are, uh, are not going to survive if, if, it, if, the, if the Federal Reserve gets behind and, and doesn't keep uh, inflation under control. That's a, that's a really big, important thing. And, and, you know, Warren Buffett actually said in, the, in his annual report, and I wouldn't use a word like this on the air unless he said it, you know, you can't tell who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. It's not a visual I want to think about right now. But what he was saying was is that when you have all these deals across the world that are based on low interest rates, and you know, the tide's up and everybody looks like they're just out there bobbing around and everybody's swimmingly doing great. But then when the tide goes out, you realize that, some people just can't, you know, make it, and that's a, that's what I fear as far as interest rates. Well, and also we have an international economy in the sense that one country can throw the rest of them out of uh, kilter very easily. And it's just very important for your listeners that any time that they have an opportunity to pay off debt, it's it's never a wrong time to pay off debt because when you you can all if you pay it off, you can always have access to it in the future. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, that's and of course North Carolina on, uh, uh, has had a long history of pay as you go for capital needs, and that's good. But sure. we've got these other problems that uh, maybe we pushed off to keep that mm-hmm. going to uh, an excess. So, so um, there's been mention of uh, a statewide bond. Do you think there will be a statewide bond uh, come up uh, in the next uh, two years? I think there will be. Uh attempts and probably successful attempts to find a way to uh, public to do a, a statewide initiative to help uh, public schools across North Carolina actually build uh, or refer, refurbish schools. Now, I want to educate your listeners just briefly to tell them that in the law of North Carolina, the state has never had the responsibility for building schools. They have responsibility for maintaining the schools after they're built. But it's always been a county function. But uh, we just issued the debt affordability study as far as the uh, the school bonds or any kind of debt is concerned. Uh, But the main thing, in my opinion, that we need to do is to replenish, take the lottery money that it was supposed to uh, 
Forty percent of the lottery profits were supposed to be allocated toward public school construction. It doesn't matter what controversy I'm involved in, no matter where I go, Kiwanis, Rotary, or any other civic group across North Carolina, the question I get most often is, I thought the lottery was supposed to take care of that, whatever that is. And the fact is, going back to this word supplantion, which means you take money from one place that was supposed to be for and you take it somewhere else, any attempts to bring the lottery back up to what it was intended for, which a big portion of that was public school construction, will go a long way toward helping uh, the counties with public school construction or refurbishment. Of course, the other thing we have going on in North Carolina in this segment is coming to a pretty fast, rapid conclusion, though, is the fact that we have some counties that are growing faster than you can keep up with construction, and we have some counties that are actually shrinking, and so they have no way of even keeping up what they've got because uh, their uh, tax base is going down. So North Carolina is an interesting state in the sense that we've got uh, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sure. And and there's there's something else going on that, that you know it's often people put out statistics that can that confuse folks. I don't know how much time we have in this segment, but uh, if you like, we'll cover this next. But just very briefly, uh, you know, for example, they put out a statistic and says that we have some forty percent of our schools are over fifty years old. Well, Reynolds High School in Winston Salem's over Broughton's over fifty years old, but if Reynolds High School had ten million dollars spent on it to refurbish it. Why should it be considered in that category if yeah. it's been brought up to standards? Yeah. So just, and then we came out with some issues uh, uh, before the uh, on the on the bond referendum. The first one we called Connect NC it didn't have anything to do with roads. Then we came out with Build NC, which should have had something to do with building, but then, and but it had to do with uh, roads. So anyway, we just need to quit confusing the the, the voters. We'll be back with more here on Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. I'm Howie Mandel. Did you know attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in adults is a real and treatable medical disorder? I know because I am one of the estimated 10 million adults in the U.S. who have ADHD. The symptoms of ADHD, inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity make it difficult to pay attention and focus, be organized, complete tasks, and maintain relationships. I've been diagnosed with ADHD. In my life, I've often misplaced things and have found it difficult to sit down and read a script for work or even have a conversation. You know, the kind when you're actually listening without interrupting. It's never too late for adults to seek help for ADHD and find the right treatment plan. Get information at adultadhdisreal.com and take an ADHD self-screener. Talk to your doctor. The right treatment plan can help control your symptoms so you can stay focused and organized, get things done at home and work, and help improve relationships. Visit adultadhdisreal.com to learn more about adult ADHD. Don't let ADHD prevent you from achieving your goals. I haven't. You've got your shades on, do you? So cool, so hip, so sheltered by frames of UV protection to show the world you are a force. But did you also know by wearing sunglasses, you're doing your eyes a favor? That's right. Sunglasses help avoid overexposure to the sun, which can produce red eyes, a feeling of grittiness, even excessive tearing. But you, oh master of the incognito, are taking care of your eyes without even knowing it. For more easy ways to keep keeping your eyes healthy, see your optometrist or visit AOA.org. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with North Carolina's 28th treasurer, Dale Falwell, who has been in office since 2016. And, uh, uh, of course, he is a CPA. Prior to that, he was in the General Assembly for four terms. And that, uh, of course, has given you a great uh, basis for 
your knowledge of how state government works. Uh, and uh, so now that you are in the uh, business of being the state treasurer, you're putting your your uh, your learning, your public is uh, your CPA uh, degree to work, uh, as well as your experience in government. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is the 2019 debt affordability study. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Well, I have the debt affordability study. Now, uh, what was the genesis of this okay. study? This was something that was set up uh, under uh, during Richard Moore, Treasurer Richard Moore's uh, uh, term. And basically, it was meant to uh, have a connection between the Treasurer's office, the governor who creates a budget, and the General Assembly who obviously creates an out and, and, and ratifies the budget. And it, it, was, it was just a way, official way by law, for the treasurer's office to report to those two groups what how much debt capacity we have you know individuals have debt capacity businesses have debt capacity uh i guess the federal government doesn't have any debt capacity but everybody else in the free world has debt capacity <laughs> but um the state of north carolina has debt capacity and it's just a report that we are required to send to the governor and the general assembly on february 1st of every year which we just did and basically, it looks out over the next 10 years and talks about how much money we can borrow and still stay within our debt limits and still be in, in good stead with the rating agencies. So that's what we've done. And the debt affordability study came out and showed uh, that we can borrow about $207 million a year. And, you know, that's not as clean as it sounds because sometimes projects aren't ready. The bond market's going wacky or something's going on. So to say you're going to issue $207 million on July 1st is... You know, it's just an estimate of, of how all that works. So we've issued the debt affordability study in line of in, in the spirit of when this was created under Treasurer Richard Moore. Uh, the other thing about the debt affordability study, which was actually in the study, and you can go to nctreasurer.com and actually find the study itself, is we see that of all the debt that is outstanding for the state of North Carolina right now, when you go back to the earlier conversation about school construction, only 1% of the debt outstanding in North Carolina right now at the state level is for K-12. Everything else is for uh, higher education. So uh, this is an, it's important to present the debt affordability study. Uh, there is a, uh, you know, the governor does not agree with the debt affordability study. He uh, has a proposal that the, the debt should be uh, three times as high potentially as where it is today. But the debt affordability study commission approve the recommendation uh, to keep the debt levels where they are for the next 10 years. And it's important for your listeners to know that that uh, they don't, everybody out there that's listening to this show, no matter how they vote or feel politically, everyone agrees that any time that we can borrow money and pay a lower rate of interest for it, that's good for everybody. And that's what we're trying to do by being solvent and by being conservative in our, in our debt. I'm going to read these uh, uh, yeah. percentages out because they're very interesting. Uh, 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 the headline is North Carolina Total Outstanding Tax-Supported Debt by Program. Mm-hmm. 49% is for higher education, uh, 5% for clean water, uh, 5% for hospitals, which is not very much, transportation, which is a big Pu- need. Public hospitals. Public hospitals. Yeah. 16% for transportation and 8% for uh, correctional and youth facilities. Mm-hmm. And one percent for public schools. Correct. So that that seems to be a little out of kilter. Well, but 
it sort of reflects the fact that it, it's never been the state's responsibility to build public schools, only to maintain the public schools. And the last time that we've had a public school bond was 1996. So <clears throat> there's competing plans right now about public school construction, and we're going to be coming out with uh, some, some news on this next week. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, there, uh, you know, there's great needs out there. And, and some of the urban counties, I believe the Wake County uh, school population did not increase this year. Uh, uh, the population of Wake County increased, but maybe not the school mm-hmm. population. And then we have some school districts, as you know, uh, that have the total number of students in these school districts. The total number of students in the K-12 uh, population the total number of students in this population in these school districts is equal to one elementary school that's within a mile of where we're sitting right now. Mm. Less than 800 or 900 students from kindergarten all the way to the 12th grade. Now, we've talked a lot about the state. You know, this whole thing is complicated by the fact that we not only have a federal debt, which you uh, <laughs> said doesn't seem to have any limits to that, uh, but we also have cities and counties uh, and other entities within the state that also have debt. What is the health of our cities and counties? Do we have any cities or counties that are in trouble? <clears throat> we do. Uh, the Another responsibility of the treasurer uh, is to be the chair of the local government commission. And this was set up after the Depression and the uh, bankruptcy of Asheville, North Carolina. And the debt, the local state and local government commission. And that was years ago. Yes, back when you were in elementary school, right? Well, yes. I did refer to the fact that we were close to the same age earlier, and you didn't even. You're a lot older than I am. Okay. And uh, so anyway, uh, this was set up, and over 1,300 entities have to come before the state and local government commission, and the treasurer is the chair of that commission, in order to borrow money in North Carolina. So this could be the Raleigh-Durham Airport. Durham, Water and Sewer Authority, <clears throat> Wake Forest University, uh, the state itself, the counties and cities. So uh, of those 1,300 entities that come before the LGC, uh, over 150 of them are right now on the watch list. And then we have another uh, 120 of those that are on the concerned uh, list. Uh, excuse me, the unit assistance list and the watch list. So uh, we're very concerned about these. We have some, especially some water and sewer districts, which is the, the basic tenet of survival in North Carolina, where uh, the water and sewer rates in some parts of North Carolina are going to be doubling and tripling and quadrupling over the next five years. And we've got to find a way to make sure that people have access to clean water and, su- clean water and access to sewer uh, across North Carolina, especially in the rural parts. Well, we've mentioned this so many times, I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing about it, but we've got a number of counties that are very small. Uh, my church has 5,000 members. We've got some counties that don't have 5,000 people in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difficulty of running a county like that must be really uh, pressing to what few people are working in those counties. It's a, it's, it's, it's a major expense fixed overhead expense that has to be distributed over very few people. Uh, and, of course, uh, in addition, most of those counties are seeing no growth and back uh, maybe even shrinking. Maybe even depopulating, and that, that puts pressure on water and sewer systems yeah. because then they have to raise rates on the very people who are trying to leave. And that causes people to want to leave. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's a, a vicious, vicious – yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Now we're harmonizing. 
uh, vicious circle. And, uh, uh, and of course, you know, one of the things that we're finding out in school districts, even in, in very proper uh, in very prosperous counties is you can't make people live in certain places. They're going to live where they want to live. And so you build a school here and then everybody wants to move away from that area. And the school is still there. Exactly right. And then you have charter schools that are taking an increasing amount of students out from the school districts. And the, you know, the charter schools have no or receive no uh, money for school construction. Well, and this is, uh, of course, this charter schools are, uh, uh I guess under the microscope right now, some of them are doing quite well. Some of them are doing their functions. Others are questionable. So that's another thing I guess the, the legislature is going to have to contend with. Uh, so uh, now you also have, and we've got time to talk about this in this segment, the oversight of state and community banks. And banks, of course, can have a national charter or a state charter. Mm-hmm. So how many state and community banks are, are we looking at in North Carolina? Well, uh, before the Great Recession, uh, we're, at some point in the 21st century, we've had over 130 or 140 of these types of banks. Uh, now we're down to about 65. Uh, and the two largest state chartered banks in North Carolina are obviously BB&T, which had huge news uh, uh, yesterday, and, uh, and First Citizens. So uh, part of the treasurer's duties is to be the chair of the Banking Commission. Uh, to regulate all the state charter banks and savings loans across North Carolina. So uh, we just uh, approved our first de novo, I mean, our first bank origination in 10 years. 10 years. We just approved that last uh, two months ago in Monroe, North Carolina. I think it's called the Bank of Monroe, Monroe actually. And uh, so the, the creation of capital and, and the community banking concept is, is still a, a, alive. Uh, and it, we now have our first sign that it may be growing again. And, of course, all the other banks are uh, under a different set of rules and regulations. What, what's the basic difference? We've got about one minute. Uh, we're better and cheaper. Okay. So I would recommend anybody who's in the banking business in North Carolina to convert to a state-chartered bank. So you're better and cheaper. Yes. Okay. Well, that, that sounds like uh, that would be words for a great commercial uh, I'm in the advertising business, so we we can uh, we can advertise that the better and cheaper. Well, we always talk about uh, because it's your money, and and that's very important to us at the treasurer's office. We're keepers of the public purse, and uh, whether we're buying a, a paper clip or spending a penny of the taxpayers' dollars, we we take all that very seriously. Our guest is Dale Falwell. He's uh, the state treasurer of North Carolina, a frequent guest on this program. And by the way, you can go back and listen to some of Dale's other programs that he's been on uh, just to check him out and see if he's being consistent by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. And speaking of carolinanewsmakers.com, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with one final segment right after these messages. When we get old, will you take care of me if I can't get around anymore? Of course. We'll find a way. Are you going to take care of me if I can't see anymore? I'll read to you every day. And if one of us gets Alzheimer's disease, what then? Call 1-800-437-2423 for a free booklet on caring for your loved ones from Alzheimer's Disease Research. 1-800-437-2423. From all walks of life and in nearly every corner of the globe, Habitat for Humanity volunteers come together to share their time and their hearts with families in need. Men and women, young and old, the experienced and the beginners. And while they are all different, 
they are also all the same. They are all builders, dreamers. Through determination and perseverance, in the heat and the cold, in the early dawn and sometimes late into the night, together they offer new hope and an opportunity for a better life, working side by side with Habitat Partner families. Together we can eliminate substandard housing. Won't you join us? Support Habitat for Humanity in your hometown or wherever your heart leads you. Volunteer, get involved, and help build it. Visit us at Habitat.org. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on our final segment with Dale Falwell, who is the uh, 30, uh, 28th Treasurer of the State of North Carolina and uh, went in office in uh, 2016 and uh, has uh, been turning things upside down, uh, inside and out ever since. And uh, uh, you, you are, uh, are really uh, uncovering uh, a lot of things that the public uh, should have known, and, and I'm not sure a lot of it was hidden. They just didn't have a lot of interest in it. Sure. Uh, apathy bothers me a lot. Uh, well, there's nothing apathetic at the treasurer's office. We... Uh, you know, any time that uh, somebody's elected state treasurer, they have an option of coming in and just running the place. And uh, we, we do not have that attitude. We're there to find and fix. And the reason is, is that we're dealing with some massive challenges at the at the North Carolina Treasury. Uh, and none of these challenges are, are God-made. They're, none of them are emotional or political. They're all mathematical. And, and uh, these are very serious problems. And Someone uh, described me the other day who said that uh, Dale Falwell just, just just doesn't think outside the box. He thinks inside and outside, then he uses both sides of the box to fix the problem. Now, one of the things you said earlier, I think I understood, was that one out of 10 adults in the state of North Carolina gets a pension check. Yes. So uh, one of your big functions, of course, and, and we talked about this extensively in the first mm-hmm. segment, was keeping that pension plan solvent, and that's a problem. Yeah. So now the General Assembly is coming to town, and uh, as it does once each year, and I never feel safe while they're here, uh, I, I always look forward to August or sometimes October when they leave. December this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it, right. So what are some of the pieces of legislation that you will be uh, pushing, trying to get things done that will make your job and maybe uh, easier and make the state of North Carolina a little safer? Well, we have a technical corrections bill, and that's uh, – uh, kind of sounds complicated, but it just kind of cleans up some stuff. For example, if if we've had a policy in place that says that you must fax something into our office and nobody uses faxes anymore, you know, just it's called technical corrections because we're just cleaning up yep. some formulas. <clears throat> and um, and then we have some other things, you know, what we call administrative changes. For example, uh, unfortunately, uh, with the recent conviction of the Wake County Register of Deeds. We found out that the felony forfeiture law, and for your listeners who may not be aware, we uh, had a register of deeds in Wake County that was found guilty of embezzlement. So we had a we had a law that allowed us to go in and take that person's pension away for the time in which uh, they were convicted of these crimes. And this is this is male and females. This is Republicans and Democrats. This is East West district attorneys, sheriffs, county managers, register of deeds, senators. This we apply this. To everyone, <clears throat> excuse me. But when we did that, we realized that we could not do the forfeiture of the 401k match 
that had been made on this person's behalf, just on the pension side. So that'd be an example on the felony forfeiture law of where we have implemented a law and we realize that really there's some other things about it that we need to improve. And and uh, then, of course, we're we're always working on, on, on big topics. And, you know, we had a very aggressive agenda last year and got a lot of things passed. But as I said earlier, the governor uh, vetoed a, a very important piece of legislation to the treasurer's office, uh, all of which, you know, everything that we put forward, I will just promise you and your listeners Everything we put forward either saves money or makes money, <laughs> period. Yeah. And because that's what we're supposed to be doing as the keeper of the public purse, saving money or making money. Well, we were talking earlier about the fact that you're not very, very sure when the interest rates go up, whether that's good or bad, because when you're investing money, you want it to be high, but when you're borrowing money, you want it to be low. So it's not... Uh, uh, but that's something you have to keep up with because there are pluses and minuses on both sides sure. each time. Sure. So uh, what uh, what do you think uh, you've got uh, uh, the year planned ahead? What are your major goals other than legislation that you're going to try to accomplish this year in uh, uh, the year 2019? Well, our, our main goal is to continue to push the power out to our members. And so what does that mean to you and your listeners? What that means is that, for example, the people on the state health plan have thought for four or five decades that Blue Cross Blue Shield is the insurer. They've never been the insurer. They've always been the third, the, the administrator of the plan, not the insurer. That's the state health plan. Yes, the yep. state health plan. So uh, we've just redesigned our state health plan card, and uh, people are loving it across the state because it says paid for by you and taxpayers like you. We want people, when they pull that card out of their pocket and use it either in a health care or a prescription uh, environment, we want them to be thinking about this is their money. And nobody knew that secondly we're educating these uh pensioners about the fact that and the active employees that their employer whether it's the dot or the department of corrections or the highway patrol their employer is going to contribute 13 percent of their pay to that pension plan this year it's another invisible thing that and you can't be in a relationship with god or your spouse or anyone where if you're not getting credit for what you're trying to do. And when people do not know that this is their money on the health plan, when people don't know that that this huge amount of billions of dollars that has to be put in the pension plan each year on their behalf, then how do you expect them to really appreciate it? So that's the number one goal. As far as health care, we're in a huge battle with one organization right now uh, on health care transparency. You cannot cut the cost of anything if you don't know what it cost, right? Yeah. And we don't know what we know what we're spending for health care in North Carolina on behalf of the state health plan. We do not know what we're supposed to spend. So uh, I'll give you a few examples real quickly. The we have some providers that are charging us eight hundred percent of Medicare. Eight hundred. That's eight and. For me and, and your listeners, you know, we're used to going to Harris Teeter and it'd be 30% off or Belks and it'd be 40% off. People aren't used to some a, a percentage higher than 100. So what this means is that some of them are charging us eight times the amount of what the Medicare reimbursement rates are. And that's, we, we can't do that anymore as a state health plan. We have state teachers, state troopers, based on their beginning salary, cannot afford to insure their own families and that's inexcusable as the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina. So very briefly, I'll give you some examples. 
unfortunately, we hope this never happens, but when a person is injured on the job and they need medical attention, those reimbursement rates by agreement with all these providers is 40% profit above Medicare reimbursement rates, 40%. If you're a prisoner in North Carolina, you're in need of medical attention. You get medical attention. uh, The prison system pays a 40% profit to these providers over Medicare. We are offering these providers on average a 77% profit, not 40, 77% profit. And there's major pushback, raising and spending millions of dollars uh, to keep us from reforming this healthcare system. And we're going to do what we have always done with really big subjects like this. We attack problems and not people. And the problem is that the state health plan has been subsidizing and paying for the health care of other things that happen, especially at the hospitals. Number two, the state health plan can no longer cross-subsidize those lines of business. And then at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we're doing what's right on behalf of state employees as keepers of the public purse. Perfect timing. Gives me just enough time to thank Dale Falwell for being with us and to remind you that you can get more information by going online to nctreasure.com and i've had a lot of your listeners say they went to the nccash.com and they actually found money that belonged to them in the chiefs division so that's where you go for that uh our program has been produced by jason kong if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that jason will have another interesting guest for us next week on the same group of stations all across north carolina and we will look forward to being with you at that time so the next week Same time, same stations. Have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.